All right, welcome to the shoulder episode. Happens to be a doctor visit for the kids over here on my end. So I'm gonna intro really quick and then I'm gonna dive off, but it's gonna be in good hands because Ben, Clairefield, and Keegan and Marcel all have stronger shoulders than me. For me as a basketball player and a under athletic basketball player, I was looking for every advantage I could get. And one summer I started throwing a thousand passes a day against the wall, just trying to be like the most explosive passer I could be with either hand. And it worked well, but I did get pretty nasty shoulder tendonitis. And Charles Baldwin had some really simple shoulder numbers. So quite frankly, for me, simply getting good at external rotation to the point where I felt confident I was stronger at that than people I was competing against. That was enough for me to compete in basketball without shoulder issues. Now going forward, I do have stronger shoulders now because of really the last year and being inspired by these three guys and continuing to learn as my legs have gotten stronger there's there's room in the tank now for more upper body muscle just by looking at the top sprinters in the world so basketball is not just being a high jumper where you can have a super skinny upper body like of course you could but if you wanted to be the ultimate athlete for basketball you would look more like a 100 meter sprinter so my upper body will probably um, never be that impressive in fitness crowds, but it is getting stronger. My shoulders are growing. And because of the way that we build shoulders in the ATG system, I have also like more shoulder mobility and like they keep getting more bulletproof at the same time. So that's really what we're after and what the guys are going to explain today. They all, all three have more shoulder experience and results than I do. So we'll follow our normal flow. I didn't really think it'd be fair. I have Sapphire for like the next hour and I didn't really think it'd be fair for her for me to be all distracted on the call. And she may gnaw my thumb off at that point. So well, Sapphire's going to dive out of here and Keegan will continue this shoulder talk. I'm looking forward to listening to this one after guys. I'll see you later. All right. Thanks for the intro. So yeah, shoulder strength. As with all these topics, there's many angles that we can go at it from. We can talk about it from the perspective of the health of the shoulder. We can talk about it from the performance of the shoulder. We can look at what the common kind of surgeries and injuries and all those sorts of things is a deep, deep topic. I think that where we could add most value with this is we can look at it from the traditional stance of what muscles do we train and how do we train those muscles in balance? What are the common imbalances that are caused by traditional gym training? So this is, I think, where a lot of the Charles Poliquin work that has obviously influenced all of us very heavily was focused on, okay, well, most people are bench pressing and shoulder pressing and doing a lot of stuff for the front of the body. We tend to have our arms in front of our body all day on the computer, on phones. So arms in front of the body, we're strong and that's normal and internal rotation and then external rotation back of the shoulders um is is what we tend to use less and so that has really been a big emphasis of the that's kind of common knowledge amongst trainers and i think you'll you know probably cover that ben and marcel will probably cover that better than i will the other perspectives and way to look at it is to look even further back into history and think about like the primate shoulder and the ability to hang and brachiate which is probably something that I think Pavel Satsalin really initially popularized the hang if you look back at his stuff and then Ido Portal probably brought it to more people and took it further in terms of the details. If we look at it from that perspective of 
The shoulder joint doesn't have much structural integrity. If you look at a skeleton, it's not really designed to stick together, to stay together. The shoulder joint looks like it's not even, it's like a ball sitting on a plate and it's, it doesn't really have much structural ability to hold itself together. And so when you think about hanging, it's really going to make a huge difference to the, the, it, the, there must be a lot of force going through those connective tissues and the, the labrum and things like that. So that is the other key perspective I think to consider is walking on the hands and, and hanging. So that is probably what uh, Ido Portal has then spawned off like this whole big movement of uh, animal flow type stuff. And there's a lot of different people who put weight on their hands. And a lot of the origins of that is probably, you know, Ido really popularized a lot of that along with some of the gymnastic strength kind of movement. And I think there's huge, huge value for shoulder health to look at, okay, how do we regress and progress hanging? How do we hang from different angles to have different adaptive stress in the shoulder? And then how can we support weight? Supporting weight on the dip bars is part of the value of the dip. Supporting uh, hanging from, from a bar with a heavy weight is part of the value of a weighted chin up. So we don't need to just look at this stuff from the perspective of what can the muscles do, but we also need to look at it from the perspective of what can the connective tissues do. And that is really at the core of what we're doing with, with ATG, but maybe it hasn't been spoken about as much at the shoulder. And so it's cool that we're getting the opportunity to speak about it today. Super keen to hear where uh, Marcel and, and Ben are at with this one as well. Awesome. So for me, my experience with ATG, uh, my post was really handling a lot of the problem cases. So this includes, you know, problems with the knees, problems with the back and similar also on the topic of today is the shoulder. And me specifically with my sport being a tennis player, if anyone's watched a tennis match, you'll see that the shoulder goes through many different ranges of motion, circular movements, throwing motions, very sudden. And so luckily in my career, I didn't really suffer a lot of injuries, but coming across ATG and learning from Ben and reading some of the texts that Paul Quinn had left behind in regards to shoulder training, the service motion in tennis is one which, and at least in men's tennis, it plays a very massive role in terms of determining who's going to be the winner. So the person that is winning off more points off of their serve and is more consistent with their serve tends to end up winning the match. So exercises that would enhance my ability to serve really got my attention. Now, what was interesting is that, and this is something I know for sure that Ben Clearfield's going to cover, is that with this throwing motion, the body will naturally inhibit the amount of force it can output depending on how much force it can actually control. So therefore, whatever amount of force it can stop will be basically the amount of force that it is like anticipated to be able to put out. So rather than focusing on something like a bench press or a pressing motion, we actually, like you talked about Keegan, is addressing the decelerators of that movement. So act muscles like the teres minor, you know, the infraspinatus, these are muscles that externally rotate the shoulder. And by getting those stronger, we then start to address this in a structural balance point of view. And so then by getting those numbers up, then people that had injuries, which I've helped with or myself to enhance my output of force, then benefited from those types of training modalities. And now I can press further and then also try to match that with external rotation of the shoulder and try to keep both sides balanced, which then allows me to put out more force. So as far as like the clients with ATG, whenever they have shoulders issues, 
we look at movements like the Powell raise, the external rotator, to see if there's any weaknesses in the shoulder within the smaller muscles. If there are weaknesses there and we address them, that's where people will write in and say, hey, you really helped out, you know, bringing my shoulder to a point where I can do my exercises without any pain. So I think, uh, you know, Ben Clearfield has worked with Poliquin the most in terms of shoulder bulletproofing. So I'm very curious to see like what kind of gems he has to bring on to this podcast. Yeah, it's an interesting thing. The first, my first, uh, I was very lucky when I got advised to do my, my level one, Poliquin level one, level two, all that fun stuff is, uh, is I had a mentor who had done it before and he was a great guy. Um, a guy called Mike Demeter, who was a great coach. And he said, you need to take these courses. So they came into town and I had the, the you know, the, the Poliquin instructors, Andre Benoit, Clark Lynn, obviously Charles is, uh, you know, and, uh, and I remember, uh, being told before the seminar that I should really work on my rotator cuff. And I looked up the exercises and, uh, and the other one was on the other side was make sure that I've done split squats. So it's an interesting corollary that what we've done is, uh, is work on this. And I tell all of my coaches that if you get tired of coaching people, rotator cuff exercises and split squats, you should retire and sell real estate. And, um, so I remember my first day at the level, level one, and we tested bench press and rotator and all the stuff. And there was a guy who did the test and, and, it, and, uh, and I remember being told like, you don't want to be the weak link on rotator because I'll make fun of you and whatever. It's just kind of a, you know, playful, uh, uh, exercise of, uh, sort of razzing. And, uh, the one guy came and he was a coach and he benched, I remember he benched like 255 pounds, which is fine. Nothing crazy, whatever. And, uh, and then they said, okay, now we're going to do rotator cuff. And just, this guy had no idea. He'd never done it before. And, uh, and the percentages at the time, you know, still the percentages that, that we play with, and we have a bit of a, an interpretation of it to make it a bit more accessible and change it instead of having it correlate to bench press, which I still think is a great number. So it's 9.8% of of your biochromial bench press, which is perfect technical bench press, um, with a shoulder, uh, with the pec, t- with touching your pec and it's four second lower. And that's the way Charles did it. And that's the way, um, he, he, he taught the test, but I remember doing all that. And then, and they did the math on the guy's numbers and they gave him a five pound dumbbell and he couldn't do it. And you know, the instructor, it was Andre was like, eh, you know, kind of the way Charles does it, you know, you fail. And everyone was like, you know, kind of jokingly laughing guys like wow yes i've had two shoulder surgeries it's like well clearly it's one of the reasons why was your rotator cuff is so weak that you you know you got hit playing hockey the guy was a hockey player and he had terrible shoulders and okay this is the method that we can do to protect it and rehabilitate it and anyway it was it was knowledge but it was done playfully but i remember that um, very clearly and that was one of those revelatory moments so so for me, when I, when I learned about the rotator cuff exercise, it was so magical because it was, my shoulders were fine. I never had any issues, but I remember reading an article about Charles bringing up bench press numbers. And I remember, I think I benched two, you know, whatever, nothing crazy, not world breaking numbers. This was over oh, a decade and a half ago, maybe something like that. And I benched 275, nothing crazy. And then my bench went up to 330, just working on my rotator cuff. And I didn't bench for, for I think it was like four months. So it was pretty, I was, it was the magical thing that was for performance. And it was these hacks that, as you said, that when you train the decelerator, so, you know, the agonist antagonist idea, you can only go as fast as you can slow down. And this whole concept was, was mind blowing to me. And Charles's magical math of structural balance numbers was so magical that I, I, I just, I, you know, and I think it's one of those interesting things that I try to tell my coaches or the coaches that I, 
that I that I that I teach, you have to try and recreate that magical discovery of things. And I think what we do with ATG, which is the pain-free stuff, it's it it gives people that that feeling of magical recovery, of feeling a pain-free ability to move. And then you can unlock greater ability. So I try to tell coaches, you should remember that moment when you discovered one of the numbers or one of the hacks or one of these things, because it, it gives you a fire to, to be inspired, to train and take care of both yourself and other people. So some of the numbers that we play with on, for example, the rotator cuff, it was for Charles, it was 9.8% of uh, biochromial bench press, which for a lot of people, they don't know exactly how to do that. So the way we flipped it is we play with a 10% of body weight for eight to 10 reps. And I think there's, there's worth to that, but that's not that good. It's totally out. If someone has terrible shoulders working towards that, is totally fine and they're going to probably get out of pain, but it's not phenomenal for performance. So I like how we, we transition to, if you want to be really good upper body, a tennis player or a boxer or anything upper body, you can go 15 to 20% of body weight for eight reps on rotator cuff for an, as an example. And I think that's one of the ways that we can transition it from, as Keegan says, pain-free joint health towards performance. And I think it's, I think we've talked about this before, it's all on the spectrum. And I think that's, that's one of those things that, uh, that I'd really like to try to convey as much as I can, that there's no such thing as like top level athlete, and like broken human. It's just all, for, it's, it's all on the spectrum that as you chip away at, at moving and adding ability and unlocking capabilities with both the movement capabilities and the weight and load that you can do really cool things start to happen. And then you can try to do cooler things like Keegan and I are playing with some of these things of one arm chin ups and is it performance or is it play or is it movement? And this gets into this idea, the philosophical idea of, of what Edo Portal talks about movement practice. Um, and I think that goes pretty deep. I mean, he talks about, you know, to quote Edo, he says, the shoulder is God's joke. And, you know, and someone got, I think I said that on point, someone got offended about what God did or not, did. but it's not God's joke in a sense. And I think in some ways it's an opportunity because it's not God's joke as a punishment, but it's God's joke in the sense that this is a very complex joint that we can do so many things from an evolutionary perspective we can write what a complex thing you know we can we can manipulate things and tools in very small ways we can throw a ball and play tennis we can do jujitsu we can dunk a basketball there's all i mean some of us can some of us can't but but there's all kinds of different things one can do with this these this miracle that we got given but it, it in our upper body it all gravitates to the shoulder so, you know, Charles talks about, you can't fire a cannon out of a canoe and speaking of the shoulder. So a stable, structurally stable joint in the shoulder with all those tiny, small muscles and a very strange joint capsule is, is something that we, we, it, as God's joke, it's here's an opportunity of something that's designed in a very strange way that you have to put work in to make it be capable of doing amazing things. So, you know, I think, I think that's the thing anyway. So that's my sort of ramble. Yeah, there's, there's some good stuff there. I want to touch on sort of some of the key movements that, because you got those assessments, right? So you've got the exceeded external rotation, which is one that everybody who studied Poliquin sort of, that's like a really clean test to tell you how strong those muscles are. It's not necessarily the only way or the best way to develop those muscles. It's a nice, clean test. It's a number that tells you, okay, this is a weakness or this isn't a weakness. But then... What do we actually do to develop it or how do we sh express shoulder function? So to me, there's a few key things that most people probably haven't played around with that much that can really improve 
shoulder function and challenge shoulder function. And and you spoke about like the like the amount of load that it can handle and support. The one of the key things, if you think about the ability to support load for a long period of time or significant loads, that in itself is is a big thing. If you're going to fall and hurt your shoulder by by landing on your shoulder, then it's the kind of loading that you're going to get more so from actually leaning on it is probably going to play more of a part than how strong the, the muscles are. And so a handstand progressing towards being able to do one-arm handstand or one-arm support in the top of a push-up position are actually things that are going to put a lot of stress on the joint structure itself. Um, and so those muscles are going to work really hard and it's also going to leverage more growth from the labrum and even the surfaces of the joint are likely to respond as well. We think about it like the knee's got all this stuff inside of it. It's got really thick meniscus. It's got thick cartilage. It's got the cruciate ligaments. And so there's a lot of stuff going on within the knee. There's not so much stuff going on within the shoulder, but there's still going to be adaptations of those tissues to, to the loading. So I want to see people, if I'm talking to someone about getting their shoulder back to function, I want them to be able to support their body weight in a handstand. Or the reverse of that, to just lock out a heavy weight overhead. If you know that all Olympic lifters, all serious weightlifters can hold double body weight overhead, it's not crazy to think you might not be able to jerk it, but you should be able to hold it overhead. And so that is kind of the same thing as being able to support one arm uh, on a one arm handstand, handstand on one arm against the wall. Again, you don't need to be able to balance it. We can take the technical abilities out of it, but say, well, this structure should be able to handle this sort of load. If we think about like a crane, and you know, calibrating loads to what's gonna, what load can it take before it breaks? We can titrate that stuff up um, to make the shoulder blade and the head of the the humerus and, and all these things. They're all going to adapt to force. You know, we know that those laws exist, and so that support of being able to support that kind of weight, I think, is something that we should work towards. And then I also like to see people be able to leverage and put that kind of. Almost like with the polyquid step up where it sort of wants to tear the knee joint apart. Like if you go too fast, too aggressive with too much weight on a polyquid step up at like six inches or eight inches, you go explosive with double body weight, something bad's going to happen, right? And and the same sort of thing would happen at the shoulder if you go explosively into planche type movements. Um, and so I like to see that leveraged kind of position of like, well, this feels like it might, you know, it's putting some pressure on the joint here. So I like seeing... Uh, the the sort of straight arm strength and supporting body weight on the on the upper body. So shoulder stands, planche, and then even the L sit can be progressed into a V sit if you tuck that and lean back into it. It's it's a really nice uh, sensation also for the for the back of the shoulder. And it's kind of the reverse of the planche uh, in a way. So I think these are areas that may not have been considered. But if you look at like benchmarks in shoulder strength, and I and I. I heard this from Charles as well, and probably before I was really into gymnastics, was that the highest level of shoulder ability really came in gymnastics. And you look at rings, athletes, and and all of, you know, even pommel horse as well. It's support, it's hang, it's explosive uh, movements out of and into hangs and supports. And so to me, that's like the pinnacle of shoulder strength. And then we need these prerequisites to be able to handle those things. But um if we go look at like what what are the best what's the best that we can see in terms of shoulder function, we need to be looking at at these areas. So then, the next one would be the single arm hang and different angles on the hang. So you can actually play around with having the feet still on the ground, and you you know moving the body to different uh, positions. You can have the, the the hand out in front of the body or to the side of the body, 
and this creates a really strong adaptive force uh, on the shoulder. And you will find that people who've had shoulder issues, shoulder surgeries, or coming back from shoulder injury, they'll generally be one of these that is not tolerated at all. Um, and so the foundation work of the external rotator, the power raise, the trap three, all these things will bring health into the joint and, and get, help us to be able to get back to doing these movements. But then we still want to go to that to that higher level. So advanced hangs, advanced supports. And then there's the third one that I would throw in there would be like the snatch and the snatch variations. So that comes to you, Cuban. Um, you know, you might want to tell the story of the, the Cuban press or the Cuban snatch. Um, but the snatch is kind of a, really a pinnacle type movement as well of shoulder function, super high velocity, a lot of force on the rotator cuffs. If you're playing around with drills, using the eccentric component of, of that as well, really high quality uh, movement for the shoulder. I know some of Charles's students are huge fans of muscle snatch, overhead squat kind of combinations as a baseline, just with, you know, 20 to 40 kilos kind of loads. It doesn't, again, it doesn't have to be maximal potentially, but um, these are the things that I would throw out there as like, where do we want to get to with shoulder function? Uh, I want to see athletes being at a basic level with that. And I have my rugby players being able to do a, a basic, uh, you know, some, some basic parallel work. Um, they were doing some some basic ring work. They were able to do some front levers. And we didn't see shoulders, shoulder problems. We did external rotator cuff work as well. And we bench pressed. You know, it wasn't like we threw all the, the, the traditional stuff out. But I, I think it played a nice role in the health of, of the shoulders of our of our guys. And the other unwritten component of that is the variety of it, the new challenge. If you're the person who introduces someone to the, those things and they've never seen them before, they've they've had ten strength coaches before you and no one's ever done it like that, you know, you, you make a place you take a place in their in their heart and mind. There's also something that's valuable on the psychological side of getting success uh, with athletes. So yeah, that's sort of my sort of framework of where I want to get to with with shoulders and and the underpinnings of the those foundational movements that we've been speaking about. What are your thoughts there, uh, Marcel? Has the gymnastic stuff played any part with with what you're doing, or uh, yeah, where do you sort of see that that fitting? So I really agree with what you're saying. Um, I think it kind of falls very nicely as far as ATG's point of view, where you have a baseline level of ability, and then you have a more advanced sort of athletic type of uh, target or goals that you shoot for. So getting to the point where you can do like a handstand and, you know, get to where all these supportive structures are handling that tension, I think is, does play an important role in overall general bulletproofing. Um, for me, for tennis, I found it to be very therapeutic working something like a full range of motion dip where Basically, almost my shoulders are all the way down to the bar, which I'm pressing against. And I'm at the point now where I'm using weight. Did I start that way? No. Um, honestly, the dip was one of the exercises which I despised the most. Uh, I could only do like maybe five or six, whereas my chin up, I was already doing upwards of 10 to 12. So I neglected that exercise for a long time. But once I got around to facing that exercise and really starting to improve the range of motion, there were periods of time where I felt a lot of tension in the connective tissues of my shoulder, but I wouldn't exceed the point where I would start to cross into that realm of pain and just continue sort of that route. And probably over the course of the year, I reached the point where I was doing, you know, body weight was challenging and now I'm doing, you know, half body weight for 10 reps. And, you know, with all the hanging movements, it's, it's the same thing. You know, you get someone who has a 
shoulder surgery or you know they've suffered some kind of an injury and you do them you ask them to do a hang and that's painful and so you have to find the different angle that they can approach that kind of a movement can they do maybe you know some eccentric dumbbell pressing can they start opening up that shoulder joint can they do the external rotations and by working these movements and then gradually building up their ability to sustain tension well you know uh ben clarefield's going to cover uh the story behind the cuban press i'm sure since you referenced it and i think it's great because a lot of people maybe get a little bit discouraged with an external rotation and think oh these are you know not big weights that i'm pushing well really the type of fiber that builds up the external rotators has different properties and we have to build them up we have to hypertrophy those cells with eccentrics to start so i think we're all in this spectrum of like you know where are you at with your shoulder ability can you start stimulating in a way so that we can get it closer to like a baseline and because the joint is so complex and it has so many different movements start working those areas to help bringing up the strength and the the integrity of the joint and then at that point you know we start diving into the realm of you know does your sport require you to have more shoulder ability than not then okay let's start looking down that path of what are the exercises that will start to test the joint and i think things like calisthenics things like gymnastics they obviously have some of the greatest shoulders in the world as far as athletes are concerned so you know i think that's where we lie in the spectrum is let's build a road in where we have compromised ability and extreme athlete ability and try to bring the bridge the gap between the two with the different movements that we use in atg like the external rotator power raise trap three and all the other pressing movements at a full range of motion so clairfield what do you have to say about the the cuban press uh, a few things i think I'll, I'll tell that story i think it's a great story but i think you know I, I really love this idea like from from you know not having an ability and being in pain and from surgery we I rehabbed a great athlete um he's a plays in the NHL I rehabbed his shoulder from total surgery seven holes in the shoulder 14 wires to doing chin-ups and overhead press and all kinds of great stuff um and he's playing and so it's you know fantastic that he's on the ice and he's performing and doing great and he's a young athlete he's, he's futures ahead of him and, you know, the surgeon who did a great job uh, said, you know, you'll never press overhead, you know, whatever. And, you know, within three months, we were pressing overhead, doing phenomenal stuff. So there's a path from absolute, you know, blasted garbage pain to high level performance. And I love what Key could say. And I, and I think I love this format of having a roundtable conversation, because I think what's interesting is that, that you know, we, we have to give credit to Ben always, I think. Um, that has, you know, the, the, the publicity and blowing us off onto the world stage has gone through his name, which is these over toes guy. And I think the magic of ATG is it's not just that. And Ben always says that it's not just these over toes. It's all the other stuff. And I think the shoulder is one of the conversations that in this roundtable format, the nuance brings out the complexity of it, because I don't think we can talk about the shoulder. And I think it's interesting. A lot of coaches that really don't understand the differentiation sometimes think hey if the knee's like this we can do the same thing with the shoulder and it's not the same and i think that's something worth discussing having it sort of th that nuanced idea which is where we're heading and i love what keegan's saying where we're heading um you know and and you know dimitri klokov used to do handstand push-ups and he would do deficit handstand push-ups and he said it's the same thing as an overhead press so he says he worked on that where he could do you know 
if you're doing the math on it, it's body weight. It's a body weight overhead press. So he would do a ton of handstand pushups in, in a deficit, which is exactly, um, you know, an over it. So he would do 10 reps and he said, you should work up to being 10 to 20. And I remember we like, okay, that shouldn't be that. And then I did, I think I did two or three, which is pretty good considering if we're doing the math on body weight to, you know, whatever. But, uh, and I don't mean the kipping crossfit ones. I mean, the strict, you know, deficit from a strength point of view, it gets the wall. So you're not doing it. You know, the balance is another ball game entirely, but there's something to be said for that. And, and I think that's the thing. I remember what turned me on, on to Ido Portal early on many, many years ago, and I've studied with him, I think it's brilliant, is he was in a forum with, there was stuff about Charles and someone would say, oh, Ido Portal is the body weight guy. And Ido said, no, upper body. I follow gymnastic principles and all the different play and all the different stuff because upper body gymnastic athletes are the strongest athletes pound for pound and lower body it's weightlifting. So you need a bar for lower body strength. And I was like, okay, that's, he's not dogmatic. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I think this is fantastic. And I think, you know, he also talks about not having your hands touch the floor every day. It's an interesting, it's, it's a loss in some ways. And I, and I think, I think that that's what Keegan's, you know, inspired by and, and something like that. There's something about that. And you know, the other thing that I was thought about is that no one's impressed if you stand on your two feet, but everyone's impressed if you stand on your two hands. And there's something about that. There's something about the magic of that, that it's not, you know, no one's impressed if you write with your hands, every kid can do that. But if you can write with your feet, that's a different ball game. So there's, there's, I think there's something to be said about the gross motor unit capability. And someone argued with me online about like, but what about soccer players? Phenomenal. Really, really great. That's why it's so impressive because it's with your feet but no one's impressed when a five-year-old can throw and catch a ball like almost all of them can't but like doing stuff phenomenally with your feet is harder from a so that's the thing there's a differentiation between what the upper body can do from a fine motor point of view and what the lower body can do from a gross motor point of view so that doesn't mean that we can't train all kinds of magical things like kicking balls and i think you know keegan has great challenges it's not the same thing you know there's something different about juggling with your hands and feet, it's not the same. There's different skills and there's different difficulty levels. Um, literally juggling with your feet would be much more impressive if you could kick three balls in the same way than doing it with your hands. But it's not that it's easy with your hands. It's a hard enough skill. But if you saw someone doing that with their feet, five ball juggling with kick, it, that would be mind blowing. Five ball juggling with your hands is impressive. But so there's, I think there's room to think about the nuance of these different movements at the, at the elite level. Um, and I think that that's something that's worth pursuing because I think for ATG, we have to show a path that is not just here we go, pain-free, like pain-free movement, great off with you. I think we have to show some of the, the end goals of elite level excellence, because I think that's the magic of having a pathway. I think that's, that's fundamental and that's fundamentally human. I know we do plays with that. And I think Charles the two which was how do you take someone from absolutely blasted to elite level of excellence and what is excellence? And I think those ideas of one arm handstand, one arm chin up, you know, that, that one arm handstands, two arm handstands, and you know, what level of things do you want to achieve? How much weight do you want to put over your head? You know, I mean, we have a press behind neck number, I think, you know, and I think that's the thing we have. I think the cool thing with ATG with our numbers is there's sort of levels of, okay, you're decent and you're not broken and you're decent enough. And then there's, okay, well, if you can, that's a good start. Then you can up it by adding numbers. And I think there's, there's a lot of room also for saying, okay, but there's also skills that are worth pursuing. If you want to have a body that can both be, and I think Keegan, you just haven't said the word, but I think you imply it. And I think that's there too, with the ability to play. And I think that's something that 
that is worthwhile for us to think. And I think at the at the upper levels, there's room to play. But I think Ben does it with basketball. And I think, you know, Keegan does it with various gymnastic stuff. And it's, you know, and, and you know, I think there's room for that level of excellence to think of pursuing movement capabilities that come from a path of, as Marcel says, hitting the numbers, driving up capability and some of the basics, and then moving forward and seeing some of the more, you know, playful things that are still, you know, one can track that. How long can you hold the handstand? Can you do it on your hands? Can you do it one-handed? Can you do it against the wall? I think there's, there's are, those are things that are worth pursuing at the level of excellence. And I think if you don't try it, I think that's the other thing. Um, if you don't try it, like we talk about this, Marcel, with the chin up. At some point, we can do all of these centrics that we need, but at some point you have to actually try to do a chin up. And then you have one chin up. And then you could do two chin ups. And now from not doing it and doing the centrics and rotator and all the pulling and all the stuff that you need, you now can do a chin up. And I think there's something that Keegan's sort of saying on the next level, which is, okay, now you can do a hand. You, you're going against the wall, you're balancing against the wall, you're balancing, and now you're going to actually have to try to do a handstand. And I think there's something about that magical leveling up of, and now you have these unlocked abilities. And it's the same thing with, I think that, you know, you're discussing the, you know, something about the shoulder. There's something about the shoulder with juggling or something about that, where it's this ability. It's first, you're just, you know, one ball, two balls, and then three, and then you try it and you get three of them and then you get six of them and get 10 of them and get 15 of them. And then you're doing it and then you can do it continuously. And then you can do it continuously having a conversation. And I think there's something profound about this movement play that Ido really, I think this is the thing. I love Ido. I think he's great. I think Ido is purposefully enigmatic and esoteric because he's not trying to spread things to the masses. We've talked about this. And I don't knock the guy. He can do whatever he wants. He can do it in his own way. Um, but I think we in ATG want to take some of Ido's ideas and, you know, Charles and all these other people and whatever and say, yeah, but what if like more people can touch on these things? And I think that's that's where I would, to a certain extent, Ben and Keegan and I, and Marcel, I think where we differ with Ido is that we're like, why not? want to have it blow open a little bit more and not have it with the small and it's not a criticism it's a i think it's a philosophical choice that i respect i don't think he does wrong for for having his practitioners and acolytes that do the real practice or not or whatever i mean they're phenomenal phenomenal human movers and it's they've devoted their life to it but i think we're somewhere in the middle where we want to take people i, I think marcel has done the keep into in rev too i get a ton of pleasure bringing someone from absolutely broken to pretty capable and excellent but maybe not have those abilities of a one arm. I've never coached someone to a one arm, but that's not my mission. And I like having the fact that someone needs had surgery and now he can go play a sport and be a phenomenal mover and improve it in that right. But that that's my two cents. Well, I'll tell the story of the Cuban press. So I, there was an athlete that Charles had that didn't want to do any remedial work. He's like, no, I want to bench big, squat big, press big, snatch. And he said, and Charles, this is the magic of not having the internet back in the day. Is that Charles said to the guy, hey, listen, there's a very secret exercise the Cubans do, and it's called the Cuban press. And the Cuban press is pretty much a muscle snatch from the hip. So it's not from the floor. It's it's pretty much all the way up. And you don't use English with your hips or your body. And it's pretty much a rotator cuff exercise. And uh and and so this he convinced this athlete that that's what that's what he needed to do. So he found a way to get this guy to to uh to, to do rotator cuff work, but really that's the name, how the name Cuban press came into being. It's, it was Charles, Charles did that. Now Charles loved making names out, but unfortunately he didn't call this one the Polyquin press, but, uh, you know, like other, uh, like other movements he did, but I mean, you know, he, he, he was brilliant in finding a way to get the athlete to do the stuff. And I think it's an interesting thing. 
on that to realize the function of the muscle that it's a, it, you know, Charles taught me this, that it was a, it's a faster, it's a fast twitch, more of a fast twitch muscle group, the rotator cuff than slower twitch. So in, at the end of the day, doing things fast. So I think Keegan's point about the snatch, the snatch is in some ways the most perfect rotator cuff exercise. And it's extremely fast, extremely loaded and extremely, extremely explosive. And there was a, you know, one of the old Charles Apollo coaches sort of forgot this early on and says, no, 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 but you know, he was arguing with the weightlifter and no, your rotators are garbage. Is that the other thing you need to do slow tempo stuff. And then he realized like, wait a minute, actually, no, the snatch is the highest velocity rotator cuff exercise. So there's, there's exercise, like, so the Cuban press can work up to a snatch. And, uh, but, but the reason why we do slow tempo stuff and build up is because a significant point of people don't even have a rotator cuff exercise. So slow tempo stuff and volume and, and lighter loads on the rotator cuff and the various muscles around the shoulder actually, you know, help build those muscles thereafter. You can put strength in and load and velocity in ways that they can tolerate that. So I think that idea, I think the nuance here is that there's a spectrum of movement and that we add the basic things, power raise, trap three you know, uh, face pulls, rotator cuffs, Cuban, whatever there's, there's ways in gradation when we add the exercise and we have numbers and I think that's a great thing, but I, I think we always have to remember that there's a complexity of movement at the end of it with his, which is the hanging and the chin ups and, you know, one end handstands and serious load overhead, you know, and all that kind of stuff that I think is, is worthwhile to see at the, is not an end goal that you persuade have, but if you can have a structurally stable shoulder you can work towards those things also. And I think that that opens up the play of human movement that isn't just counting reps and yeah. achieving structural issues. Anyway. Yeah. There has, there has to be inspiration. There has to be excitement. It's, you know, I was talking to someone today and we, you speak with a lot of coaches and they'll talk about, you know, I'm just going to offer accountability. But it's like accountability towards what? If someone's excited for the journey that they're going to go on, if they're going to be on show, if they're going to be climbing the amount in the Himalayas, if they've got a weightlifting competition coming up, if they've told people they're going to dunk, then they're much more likely to be compliant and they're not necessarily going to want or need that person to, to hold them to something. It's more so there's inspiration. And so with the lower body, we often have that inspiration of, I want to dunk or, you know, within the ATG community, a lot of basketball influence. There's a story there and there's a thing. Marcel, I want to serve harder. There's inspiration. There's a story there. And I want to, you know, serving wins matches. I need to have a massive serve. So we need that inspiration with upper body. I think that's a little bit of the problem for some of the people within ATG. And I spoke with a basketball coach this morning and people are like, yeah, I'll trade lower body with you. I'll do, I'll do the upper body myself. Like I don't need you for the upper body because you don't have anything special because, you know, all, all we need on the upper body is maybe we're going to do some curls and some arms and, you know, oh, I'll be good. Whereas there is a higher level of function on the upper body. And that's where... We want to do this rotator cuff stuff. We want to have this foundation so that we can do cool things. And there should be something aspirational, whether that is moving towards a planche or moving towards a freestanding handstand push-up or moving towards, you know, one-arm chin-up or one-arm hanging ability. It's important for you to light that fire. And hopefully, you know, that's something that we've offered here today is to, to light that fire. Maybe it's a throw harder as well. You know, we've, we've brought that up. We've brought the snatch up. There's a bunch of stuff that can get you fired up to have a better upper body and to want to do your rotator cuff work because you actually have an outcome that you're looking forward to experiencing and achieving. And I mean, for me, the life is about the working towards these experiences. It's the struggle towards the experience. And, and ultimately, you know, when you hit that goal, I had a goal of a hundred kilo snatch. I told myself if I didn't snatch a hundred kilos, I wasn't going to go to this cloak workshop, cloak of Poliquin. 
I think it was three and a half thousand dollars. It was like a big investment, one of the big first uh, investments that I'd made to to improve my training knowledge. It was three days, three and a half grand, something like that. And I said, I'm not going to go unless I've snatched 100 kilos before the event. And so I committed, it was about four months out and I trained hard and I hit it about six weeks before I hit a hundred kilo snatch. And I could tell you like my shoulders, I had subluxations when I was holding bar overhead. It took me a long time to be able to overhead squat because I played hockey and all arms in front of the body, shoulders forward. It was really difficult for me to get to being able to, to do that snatch, but having that goal in mind then man, I had to keep my shoulders healthy so that I could keep snatching. And I'll tell you, the reason my snatch didn't go up this year is because I went straight back into snatching a decent way and I wasn't used to that velocity and I wasn't doing enough of the foundational work and my shoulder got sore and that's the reason I didn't hit my snatch goal this year. But 2023 is another year and having that aspiration is a reason to push and to go after those experiences. And I think Regardless, you know, like I would, it would have been nice if I hit my goal this year of, of beating that snatch record. But the thing of the learning and the journey is is just as important, and I and I think that's what all of us within the ATG community uh, we need. You know, we need to have this thing as as men, as athletes, as as people, having something to aspire towards is a huge part of of life. And so, hopefully, yeah, today has given you some some stuff that's at the base of how to get your shoulders going, but then also like let's let's keep shooting for things. Let's have that dunk type goal for the upper body as well, and keep setting standards and challenging each other uh, with the, with the shoulder as well. And so my my finish for today. What do you what do you got for us wrapping up there, Marcel? I mean, I'm I'm gonna echo a lot of the same things that you're saying. Honestly, ATG is so new as well. This method of training of you know really paying respect to each of the different uh, muscular structures that the body comes with and really trying to train them as they're designed to be used and trying to increase their ability to as high as possible. I think right now we have the journeys that we've accomplished so far with Ben with his knees, you know, with me and my shoulder, my elbow, and, you know, everyone has overcome some sort of adversity through this training. But I think also as ATG continues to persist and grow and more people start giving it a chance and start taking this approach to training, and applying it to themselves, whether with us or beside us, you know, that's also going to start bringing to light, you know, other breakthroughs in different sports. And, you know, we've already helped many different professional athletes make huge breakthroughs. So I think it's really just a matter of time as well that people get really motivated to really adopt this sort of modality of going through compromise through ability to impressive ability, sort of that kind of progression and making it in a very balanced, structured way. So I think that we just need to continue to persist, really take these numbers of the shoulder and looking the different ways that you could challenge the shoulder beyond just what we challenge and what we, what we program, and then pursue that and see what is the end result. And I think that if people take that approach, they'll see a lot of breakthroughs in their different sports. So that's what I got for my closing statement. Love it. Fantastic. I, I think a good way of putting what we do is that we're not ATG isn't in and of itself. ATG is for life. ATG is for other things. ATG is so that you can then go ahead and pursue other things with, you know, with the gentle suggest, and that's what I think I love what Keegan say with the gentle suggestion that says, okay, you can do the basics of ATG and then go off and play basketball or do jujitsu or whatever. But there's also some things at the top end that we say, hey, it's, it's worthwhile for you to pursue uh, over doubled body weight back squat. It's worthwhile for you to pursue that. You don't have to. 
one and a half times is pretty good for athletic stuff and whatever. But similarly, the upper body stuff is at the top end here. It's like, hey, this gymnastic stuff is worth pursuing with planches and handstand and handstand pushups and, and, you know, one arm chin ups and ring work. There's worthwhile at the periphery over here at the top that that's something that's worth devoting significant time to because there's dividends that can come from that from a look at what awesome stuff your human body can do. I think that's the thing. Instead of just saying, great, we've had 10% of rotator cuff. Now we don't need to deal with it. I think that's the thing is, and I agree with it with Keegan a thousand percent, the inspirational stuff. It's what is this for? So it could very well be again, just to go and dunk whatever, or it can also very well be that we can offer some of these potentials at the top end, which is okay. Now you your numbers are good. Great. You can press behind neck body weight for a couple of reps. That's pretty good. Um, that's pretty strong. Um, that means your shoulders structurally pretty stable. If you're doing that pain-free. Okay. What about pursuing some of this hand balancing stuff? I think there's worth it. And I, you know, uh, and again, just sort of as a note to finish Charles had as a, you know, one of the tests was an overhead squat. That was the test. That's one of those tests that we did. And, uh, you know, there's room for that. I just think in some ways it's hard to show everyone, but I think there's room for that with a barbell to do an overhead squat. Now, sometimes people are so weak that you do a down. But, you know, you see shoulder instability, you see tightness, you see pec tightness, you see all that kind of stuff. So I think there's room. I think we have a lot of stuff to do. And I think uh, Keegan was talking about it, like modernity does this and this. So I think there's a lot of us to do to help people from, a, as, as Marcel says, from a messed up to having ability to then pursuing excellence. And I think that's, I don't know, I think that's sort of the theme of our conversation, which is how do you get out of being messed up and what's enough? And then what things can you aspire to and play? And I think there's, there's, you know, I think there's a lot, that's what I would say. I would say ATG is for all that other stuff with the potential that we can suggest some ways to achieve some excellence. And I think, I think that's the thing. I think not enough people talk about pursuing excellence. And, and I think a lot of people, you know, back to the other thing that people decide that they're a bad shoulder person. I have bad shoulders. Okay. Well, we have ways that you can address that such that you don't have any bad shoulders anymore. And that's both the basics. And then there's then thereafter making someone have amazing shoulders and pursuing great things. And that's, that's, I think something worth thinking about. That's, that's where I'll finish. This has been great. I think this is a great conversation because this is where the shoulder is where I think nuance really comes out. And I think that's what we, we have that. I think ATG has that also. And I think it's, it's not simply a formula. There's, there's things that you do, and then it can branch out into all kinds of really cool stuff. And I think the shoulder is that the shoulders has that complexity. Anyway, that's my, that's my end. Yeah, we could easily go another round on this, and it'll be fun to do it again with uh, Mr. Patrick at, at some mm. stage. And I'm sure we'll have a completely different conversation because the question often comes up, how do you do knees over toes for shoulders? And we kind of answered that today, that it's a bit more complex because there's all different lines of force, there's different endpoints, and it's just not a simple hinge joint. The elbow is much more like the knee. And the shoulder, there's there's more nuance, and so yeah, there's a there's a lot to this conversation. But be cool to hear people's questions and thoughts that listen through, and uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll cover it again at some stage as we progress this with uh, the captain back on board. But yeah, thanks so much for today, and uh, really enjoyed the conversation. Look forward to the next one. Speak soon.